Hey, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here with Mass Mutual, and I'm joined by my good friend, Steve Parisi, president and CEO of IBC Global. Steve, how are you doing today? we got a hot and humid August morning here in southeastern Pennsylvania. What are you up to today? It is hot and humid. I went for a run this morning, and I, I felt like I was running at the beach. And there's Soupy, no beach, right? There's no beach around here, so that tells yeah. you something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what's going on this week? Anything good? Tell me what's up. Yeah. I'm going to mile a minute as always, which is great. Um, things are moving. So, I mean, we did some adjust adjustments in our marketing just with the messaging to try and reach more business owners and more of that entrepreneurial mindset. Um, since forever, it's been kind of geared toward engineers and technical individuals. But so far, so good. I mean, I have fun with it, just learning more, but it's it's moving. How you guys you? are having a busy summer. <clears throat> yeah. But that's yeah. fun. Awesome. <laughs> you? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What's your, you know, I, I this year has been interesting from a, um, for me, from a competitive landscape type perspective. I know that your focus is very much on doing business with large, stable, tried and true mutual companies, which is why, you know, you and I do so much business together. Um what else do you see out there kind of coming and going? Like, you know, we had a, there was big news with Ohio National uh, earlier in the year, pulling out of our space and kind of leaving a lot, a lot of their advisors high and dry. Ohio National was a company that um, I always came in competition against. Their illustrations look great. Their comp was higher. I just could never get comfortable that, that company was going to perform and here, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're done. Um, I feel like I've struggled with this over the years with really um, successful seasoned financial advisors that I'm trying to do business with. I had a bunch of guys years ago who were selling MetLife's whole life portfolio, which looked great. And the comp was nice. Mass was close to competing with it from an illustration perspective. And I remember saying to these guys, I just don't trust that MetLife is going to be in the whole life business for the next 50 to 100 years, consistently driving a dividend to the policyholders. They're not a mutual company. I just don't feel like this is sustainable. And I got brushed off. And, you know, a couple of years go by, I met life's out of the business. Yeah. And now those policies are all serviced by Bright House. And, I, you know, not to point a finger at that. It feels easy to point a finger at them because they're they're gone. But I was always surprised by some of these seasoned advisors inability to kind of see past the illustration. I get it. And I know it's hard to make a sale and it's not really how I make my living. So uh, who am I to judge? But this space in particular, permanent insurance and whole life insurance, I feel like uh, I'm as a consumer, I'm not comfortable even entertaining smaller players for a variety of reasons. So, you know, where do you where do you stand on that? And like, how often does that come up? Yeah, um, it comes up not as much as it used to, but it certainly does. So on the topic specifically about illustrations, because people we work with are interested in the cash value. The death benefit too, from a legacy perspective. And they're real detail oriented and, and, and 
analytical, yeah. right? A lot of times, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, which would make you think, hey, each year let's review the policy and compare it to the prior year's performance and is it matching up? Is it different? Why is that? And some people do like to look at that and I do too on my policies. I'm not going to lie. Um, but at the same time, you know, what I look at and I'll be very consistent in our company will in our messaging with everyone is when you look at cash value life insurance products, if cash accumulation, cash value is your goal, if the product's well designed, with one of the four major mutual companies, Mass, Guardian, New York Life, or Northwestern Mutual, we've seen them deliver. And what I want to just dig into here is when I say we've seen them deliver, internal rates of return north of 4% on well-designed policies with those carriers, and I have not seen it from anyone else. Now, what I want to emphasize here is I'm talking about actual performance, not an illustration. So and actually, not dividend history. And not dividend history, correct. And, and people think that dividend history is performance. And yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's a marker and it's it's definitely something that I'm always interested in looking at if you're looking at a company, you know, just to kind of see where they've been and maybe where they're going, but it's yeah. not tracking policy It's it's not. And without getting too technical on that aspect, you can look at a time period where an insurance company, whether it's a small company or one of the major mutuals had a consistent dividend rate. So the dividend did not adjust for call it five years. But then we look at the original illustration over a five year period, and then the in-force illustration, the dividend rate, the funding, everything went exactly according to plan from the client's perspective, yet the actual values differed. They're a little bit less. And naturally, the question is going to come up, why? Like the dividend rate from a consumer perspective, the dividend rate is the same from five years ago when I've started. So why did it change? Why do I have less money here? I'm a consumer. I'm thinking everything then should be look exactly like the illustration that we looked at at issue. Correct. Because I look at a dividend rate and think, hey, it, it should match up. But the thing is, and this is the unseen element, and I hate that because we always want to make things transparent for everyone, is there's other components that drive policy performance, cash value and death benefit growth. You've got mortality charges, insurance expenses that are embedded, or you can use the phrase baked into a whole life insurance product. And that's, without digging into that item, that is the main reason why I like to look at who simply provided the strongest net internal rates of return consistently? And who do the ultra wealthy use? Who do big banks and corporations use based on that historical data, not projections? Because we run into this, and I think you run into it every single day when you'll talk to a seasoned advisor that says, hey, I've got a case here, but company A, B, or C projects fantastic numbers long term and they pay me a higher compensation. Like, why would I not go with this company? Or to be with. Yeah, because it provides more value on paper for the consumer and it pays me a higher comp. So from a brokerage director at your standpoint, now you're up against that competitive case where the agent's looking at it and say, hey, this gives them more money and it gives me more money. It's like a win-win. Why would I not do that? Do you want to comment on that before I keep going? Yeah, only that... Um... I used to have, you know about this, I used to have a study 
or I still have it, but there was a study done by Northwestern that compared yeah. each of the mutual companies projections and performance from a cash value IRR perspective. And at the time I was in a lot of competition with Penn Mutual, which is a great company. Um, there's a lot of things that I like about Penn Mutual, but when it came specifically to whole life, I had hard and fast facts from this study that said Penn Mutual has this long track record of projecting on their illustrations the highest internal rate of return on cash value and delivering by far the lowest out of these seven or eight major to mid-major mutual companies. And I would show that to advisors who were looking at Penn and looking at Mass and comparing illustrations. No one cared. Nobody cared. They were getting paid more money from Penn. The illustration looked better. Um, I don't know if there was a little, I mean, a lot of people just that I would talk to would just completely dismiss the study or be like, oh yeah, I know about that. I mean, you know, it was a study done by Northwestern Mutual. So it's a, you know, somebody who's got skin in the game, I guess maybe, I don't know. I I didn't feel mistrustful about the study at all. It seemed Mm -hmm. to be something that was totally legit to me. I was always surprised. No one batted an eye. Um, I'm not saying that the guys that I was talking to were just interested in comp. I think it was much more, this illustration's helping me close this deal. Yeah, a lot of times. I think that's it more than the comp. Often it is. I mean, it's fear. If I'm going to show numbers that don't look as attractive and someone else sees higher numbers elsewhere, they could work with a competitor. So that's a fear. I used to have it when I was new in the industry. here's here's how i look at that and i do know why can't you also show the client as an example like show the illustration show them this you know the study boiled down to one page that you know be like look just so you understand the landscape here um you know maybe you can't do this with every client but you got somebody who's putting in um you know five or six figures a year in premium they're going to be a high net worth individual it's probably a business owner or a doc or, you know, somebody substantial that you want to do the right thing by. You don't want to be embarrassed 10 years down the road, I would think. Show them yeah. the study. Say, look, this is how, this, you know, this is how these projections work. I don't know. I, you know, again, not my, uh, I was always just surprised. Yeah. No, I mean, you're you're hitting on a good topic because what I've seen to be the case is, the biggest item of buyer's remorse, specifically around whole life insurance, is when someone is interested in a cash accumulation sale, so cash value, that's what they're interested in. They see different illustrations, they see a, a company, whatever company it might be, projecting fantastic values. They buy it, they put in whatever amount of money, and it doesn't perform, it under delivers. They had expectations set that they were going to have $1 million. Now they have $600,000. That makes it very easy for a competitor that's anti-whole life, a traditional financial advisor to say, whole life is horrible. Stay away from it. I told you so, which we all know that goes on on both sides. Insurance agents to do it to financial advisors. They fight with each other. But 
that's not my point. My point is the biggest item of buyer's remorse that occurs is when I get into a policy, it projects X, so I think I'm going to have this much, and then it doesn't deliver. And it really comes down to setting expectations and knowing who's going to deliver, or having a good sense of who, knowing who's going to deliver, I should say. Where I've seen people really get upset with whole life products is when they purchase with a smaller companies. I've seen this happen with a number of small companies. They buy that policy, it under delivers, they're looking at it and thinking, wait, I thought that I was gonna have this much money. And then you've got a complicated problem that most agents don't understand too. They're funding it for a long period of time up to the MEC limit. They get an in-force illustration saying they're gonna MEC in a couple years where their original illustration said they would never MEC and they didn't drop a term rider. It's because it under-delivered. It has a relation with, relationship to the death benefit and the MEC testing. But anyway, I don't wanna get into that. Problems pop up there. And that's where consumers, their expectations were not set properly and the, the agent didn't know and they can't even get accurate information on it. So to avoid that, what I have seen to be just consistent and true, and this is what the elite do, the banks we work with, we set up two, two bowlies over the past, I don't know, 18 months or something like that. And three of the four major mutual companies were used in both of those transactions. And it's not because of the projections, it's because of here's what other banks do, here's what's tried and true, like it delivers. Why would I go mess around with a small company unless I'm at capacity as a bully because there's limits as far as how much bully they can get with each company, but that's where they're going first because they deliver, like it's real there. So from a consumer standpoint, like here's what I've always seen. Those major mutuals have consistently delivered and I'll set expectations now, expect it to produce somewhere between that three to 5% range. If it's designed properly, I used to say four to six, but we're in a low interest rate environment and I think we're gonna be for a little bit uh, just as time passes. But that's really what I'd expect it to do when it's well designed with one of the top four. And if you go with a smaller company that shows higher numbers, I'm not saying that that's bad, but what you're doing there is hoping that you're going to have higher numbers but you're going to give up the sure bet, the, the sure expectation of what's always worked. So I'm going to go with something that might give me more, but has always delivered less. Questions on that? Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's, a, you know, I mean, that sounds good to me. That sounds good to you. That sounds like tried and true and yeah. kind of best advice for a client, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've run into a lot of competition that looks like, Get it. you know, kind of not fly-by-night companies. They're good companies, but um, you don't see a lot of wealthy, high-net-worth individuals running around with some small, lower-tier carriers' whole life policy, and there's a reason for that. So I'll, I'll give you a story, and, you know, I'll... I'll use the company's name as we're talking live. And if we decide we have to cut it out in the, the recorded podcast, we will. I was working with an individual, sharp guy. He's actually in the business, works for the second largest insurance company in the world. And he heads one of the top sales divisions. He's been in the business for a long time. He knows the industry, sharp guy. He was in contact with another group looking at whole life insurance 
Um, he works with us and he puts in 400,000 per year. So, I mean, he's got a, he's got a significant size policy. It's not small. And the other group provided um, illustrations or let him know, hey, we prefer a small company, Lafayette Life. Lafayette Life's not a bad company. Look at their credit ratings, everything. I mean, they're, they're a good company. But he heard that and he said, there's no way I'm going to flow over $2 million of my assets through that company. That's it. And he shut him down. And not nothing against him. He knows the industry in and out, has worked for a number of insurance carriers, but actually digs into the data. It's like, I'm not doing it. He knows who delivers and who doesn't. And then I'm talking to him and he made another comment. He goes, you know, I want one of the top. No, Steve, I want one of the best mutual companies to position my money. I want to set up my personal balance sheet like a bank. This is what I want because I know it's tried and true. And he went with a company that I've got products with personally as well, that their projections, they're one of the top four, they don't look the best. But at the same time, they've always delivered. And that, that's what I look at there too, because if I put someone in a product and it delivers, things are great. If I put someone in a smaller company that usually pays me at least twice as much, by the way. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't deliver and you're a consumer, who are you going to be upset with? I feel like it's going to be me, the company. Yeah, not, not the smaller company. Bad taste in your mouth and how I view like my company, IBC Global, just as we grow, like I want that AAA like agency rating. I want things to be set up properly. I want consumer satisfaction and using the top companies gives me the, the best chance for that. Because if I start using small companies or getting into, you know, this, this whole like leveraged whole life thing where people will borrow huge amounts to fund policies, it's a little different than premium financing, but things that have not worked and I've seen just dissatisfaction with these other strategies, those are elements outside of my control that can just result in consumer dissatisfaction. So I look at it and say, hey, that can taint our ratings. If I want to view it that way, I'm not going to do it. We are doing exactly what the wealthy done. I've always done it. That was my background, designing policies for corporations. Like I've seen them do that and we work with them, they do it. So for me to branch off into smaller carriers and use them, and this is what I ask them every single time when they come to us and say, hey, write business with us. I need proof and not dividend history, not illustrations. I need proof of an actual policy with the internal rate of return north of 4%, like what I have from the top four. Yeah. And they yeah. can't, and I, I'm, all, I'm surprised that those companies can't um, produce that. I would actually think in that, with that kind of stuff, I know we've talked about this before, that because they're smaller, they'd be a little more nimble and able to crunch data. Um, but maybe not. Maybe they're dealing with antiquated systems and they really can't get their hands on that info. Or maybe the info doesn't look like yeah. what they want you to see. Who knows? Yeah, it could be a number of reasons. But I mean, there's a couple of ways to, to look at it. One, give them time. One company I like where they continue to work. They're working with us, trying to get the data. So they've got, got the right mindset. But then I talked to some people, for like talk to my dad there. He'd just simply say, that means they don't have it. Like, move on. <laughs> That's what he'd say. And and I've been working with them for, I don't know how many years now, trying to get data, a number of carriers. And like, if you can't get it, you can't get it. But 
when I say working with them, it used to be very intense. I would dig into policies. People send us their policies with other carriers. We review the IRR, and that's where I've gotten a lot of data, firsthand data, which is nice. Um, but if we don't get it, like, we don't get it. Now it's, hey, what you want, here's what we pay if you write business with us. I'm like, I need some proof. I'm not putting clients in these products until I have the proof. I think some, you know, not, not another thing that, that kind of goes unmentioned is that, they, you know, what I was talking about earlier with Met, like, I, I want to know that this company, you know, I'm buying into something that I'm expecting to deliver a dividend to me every year for, yeah. you know, the next 30 plus years. And I want to know that this company, I'm hoping this company is going to be around continuing to produce that kind of product and committed to me as a policyholder, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I, like, I'm not comfortable with with after everything that's happened over the last you know 20 years in the financial sector and in the insurance business. You never really, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. But God, I'm a lot more comfortable with uh, putting my faith and confidence long term in a. Mass Mutual or a Northwestern or a Guardian or a New York Life than I am anybody else, you know? I yeah. mean, pick, you know, I don't even have to name any other names, but, you know, as a consumer, I just, I just think you, uh, you know, that has to, that has to be on your mind, longevity and, and strength. Yeah, 100% agree, just from the product and delivering. And then depending what your focus is too, like if it's, and I say this because everyone we work with is focused on cash value. If that's the goal, it's very difficult to look beyond the illustration, but looking beyond the illustration, company flexibility is big too. Some smaller companies have nice PUA flexibility features. Like, yeah. So that could definitely be a reason to go with them. So like that well, kind of stuff. Well, it's different too if you're, you know, if you're buying term insurance or you're buying a, yeah. a guaranteed UL. I mean, all you really, as you know, I can't say all, but like as, as a consumer, what will be on my mind would be, you know, you want to make sure that this company is there to pay the claim. You're not concerned with anything else. And knowing what I know about this business, I know even if a company goes under, the state insurance department's going to take over and the company goes into receivership. And, and you know, historically, that, can't, that claim will be paid. Correct. It's much different ballgame if you're if you're talking about cash accumulation and how you're going to use that policy down the road. Um, yeah, so you know I'm in the same boat as you. As you know, we stick with what's tried and true and and what's proven. Um, yeah, and they've yeah, and they've continued to deliver. I mean, we've got policies now, ones that I've uh, I've put in place that are going into their eighth year. Some might be a little older than that, but they've performed, you know, with, with the different major mutual carriers we've used. People are happy. I, I measure the performance and I'll use them in case studies sometimes, taking off the client's knee and all that good stuff. Um, but they they deliver and that that's really what I look for. So, I mean, one, it's getting that data from the carrier and then two, it's doing it on your own. So when you've got historical policies, and that's where the design comes into play, like where I've, you can take any company, take Mask, you'll be familiar with this. I do see a big difference in IRR based on the design. If someone's focused on cash value, like you'll see a, the same individual could start policies at the same time. And if they're putting in 10 grand and one policies, 
all base, one's 50-50 and one's a minimum base premium, you'll see a difference on the IRRs. Sure. Um, yeah, which is interesting, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, well, you know a little bit more about uh, mass mutual case design than most people at mass mutual. So you're, you're, in, a, you're in an unusual uh, situation. Oh, thanks. I, I have fun with it. All the all the company software. I, yeah. Yeah, I'll show you my my laptop one day. I've got just tabs of each insurance company's design software. You yeah. know, that's my favorite thing to do. With yeah, that's what you like. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we started, like the, the whole thing. Like I used to just sit down with clients one-on-one -on -one over a go-to meeting and design policies with them. And then we expanded since then. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but that's All it. Right, well, let's keep up the good fight. Um, you know, it's always – I love competition and I love looking at different things. I get super frustrated when, uh, you know, cases don't go my way, obviously. It's, you know, it's just competitive nature. But um, it is interesting seeing what else is out there especially with the, you know, now with the section 7702 changes, how does that affect some of these other companies? I think, you know, when we get into the end of this year, we're going to see, I think we're going to see some players kind of drop off. Maybe we see a couple like, you know, kind of rising from yeah. the ashes and, and, and coming back into play. Um, I'm always intrigued with, um, you know, obviously I'm, I, you know, I, I primarily promote Mass Mutual, but I love seeing what else is going on out there and, you know, where we can, where we can make more sales. Yeah. I've seen some changes, some companies for the worse, some for the better, um, just with different like premium and PUA limits. But as we get more, more solidified from an informational standpoint, then we can talk about that. Yeah. We'll do it that at the um, closer to the end of the year. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, cool. Steve, have a great week. Anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to me, Mike Courtney or Steve Parisi at any time. Hope everybody has a great week. Steve, stay cool. I'll see you soon. Likewise. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. See you guys.